This is the Marketing Hero Podcast by ClearPivot, turning marketers into heroes. Welcome to the Marketing Hero Podcast. Did you know that we also have a newsletter? That's right, you can join today at clearpivot.com slash newsletter to get monthly emails with our best tips on topics like effective lead generation, creating content that attracts and connects with your prospects, and how to get started with inbound marketing. Sign up for the Marketing Hero newsletter at clearpivot.com slash newsletter for SaaS marketing insights that will move your metrics. Welcome to the Marketing Hero Podcast. I'm your host, Maya Wells. On today's episode, I am pleased to welcome Kelsey Johnson, Product Marketing Manager for AWeber, a global leader in email automation. We're going to take a bit of a different approach today and take you into a more personal conversation about what it's like to be a woman in a male-dominated field like software as a service and more broadly, technology. As you know, women still earn 70% of what men do for the same work, and we are often in quote-unquote softer positions like marketing and PR, whereas men dominate engineering and product roles. Of course, we'll get into specifics about Kelsey's experience as a product marketer at AWeber and virtual reception company Smith AI, but I couldn't let this opportunity pass to inject a little bit of humanity into the conversation. Kelsey Johnson, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me, Maya. Now, listen, before we dive in, I have to start off with the question that we ask all of our guests. What is your favorite part of your career and how did you figure that out? My favorite part of my career is the technology. I absolutely love technology. And the reason why is because it feels like magic to me. Now, I'm one of those, you know, kind of Harry Potter nerds, was a big reader when I was younger. But as I started diving more into technology, as technology became more accessible and more cool and more interesting, the more that I find out about it, the more that I love it. I absolutely love learning new platforms, learning new tools, and learning new ways that I can use them both in my professional career and also in my life to just make things easier. And it, I, I think that it's so exciting. So who are some of the people or the mentors that you learned about technology from? Where did that interest start for you? Well, to be perfectly honest, uh, I really started off on Reddit, um, kind of just paying attention to some of the things that they were talking about there, uh, just to get into what the vibe was for technology. Um, But in my first position, which was doing local SEO, which is a fairly technical thing to do in marketing, Uh, I had a mentor named Kimberly Faber. She's still my mentor to this day. And she was the one that taught me what it was like to work as a woman in technology. And she also taught me, you know, how to write for technology, which really comes down to writing things in a way that everybody can understand, even though you're describing technical things. Um, But she is still my mentor to this day. She's wonderful. I've also had a couple of other uh, mentors since her, um, someone named Megan Saylor, who works in product marketing and lives in Colorado as well. I connected with her when I was getting into product marketing, and I really started to understand from her how to make that transition from, you know, a general marketing career to a product marketing career. 
And then last but not least is a woman who until recently worked at a Weber with me named Megan Nesta. I guess I love those Megans. And she taught me about the product that I'm selling now. She really helped me understand email, understand a Weber, where we came from, who we're selling to. She's a product manager, but she completely understood the way that a product marketing manager should think. So it sounds like you may be one of the lucky ones because you've had some amazing female mentors in your career. Do you think that's common? Maybe we have a misperception about women in technology. Well, I seek out female mentors, um, not because I dislike men or think that they don't have the information that I need, but I've found that women tend to have the perspective that I have. And so it's sort of easy to jump into that conversation of what I actually need to know for my career. Um, I have had many, many men and you know, non-binary people give me opportunities to grow in my career and to you know, teach me the things that I really needed to know. Um, I just don't keep going back to them for more and more information because I enjoy creating a community of women in technology, especially since it can feel a little bit lonely sometimes. Yeah, definitely. It feels like we do have to seek out those experiences for ourselves in a lot of ways. Have you ever experienced discrimination or marginalization in any kind of way as a woman in technology? You know, it's really hard to understand the way that you're being discriminated against, in my opinion, in a um, career path. A lot of the ways, it's, it's not blatant in the way that you would think of discrimination, like having somebody... I don't know, kick you out of an office or even talk over you. That's not something that I've experienced a lot in my career. Um, but I have felt in the past, particularly very early on in my career, like I was not encouraged as much to do the technical side. I was uh, underpaid at certain points in my career. And I don't know if that's because I was a woman, but I had found out ways in which to do the research across the board to just know what I'm worth and ask for that. Um, but I do think that, you know, it, certainly in a lot of the stuff that I've read, not because I've necessarily spoken to people directly who have done this, but that oftentimes men are just offered the amount that they're worth rather than having to do that research and ask for it specifically. Yeah, I mean, these types of conversations definitely have to happen in order for us to be aware of some of those subtle ways that ideas about who women are are perpetuated in the workplace. Um, and you're right, it's, it's subtle things like, well, of course the woman would order lunch. That's the nurturing, caring nature of women. Well, you know, is it though? You know, and so conversations just being aware of, of these things, I think are super important. Um, so I don't want to be too high up on the soapbox today, but I do just want to bring that out because I just I couldn't let the opportunity pass to speak with you, Kelsey, about that. I think we we don't often get to speak with a lot of women in technology and in roles that are more toward the product side. Of course, this is a marketing focused podcast and we have lots of different types of guests, um, but I was especially excited to talk with you about about those types of issues. I just wanted to mention right when I first started, I was I felt very frustrated and it wasn't because I was experiencing discrimination, but I felt lonely when I had first started in tech in that I just didn't feel like there were that many women around for me to even talk to or you know, ask questions from. 
and feel vulnerable around. And I did run into a woman who didn't work at my company, but she worked at a different company and she said, stick it through. She said, don't quit and don't do it for you. Do it for women in tech. And I always remember her. That was that must have been eight years ago, but I always remember her. And I say the same to everyone. You know, it's definitely getting better and it can feel frustrating, but it's a wonderful, wonderful uh, industry to work in, career path, if you like it. And so, you know, don't don't run away just because it can be difficult sometimes. And I think also to just add on to that, as millennials and younger folks end up being in positions of leadership and really infiltrating the workforce and specifically technology and software companies, the old school issues of harassment and discrimination are shifting a bit, I think. Um, There's a lot more inclusion. There's a lot more awareness of how we're addressing people, how we're treating people, and just the fact that we're having these types of conversations very freely. Um, And in a lot of different business situations where, you know, we may prefer a different pronoun or a different way of, of speaking about something, it's okay to speak up and say something these days, where I think maybe 10 years ago, it was still a bit taboo. And even, you know, 20 years ago, it was like, you ladies just need to stay in your place. Right. So I think it's evolving and it's getting better, just like you said. Um, And so I'm just honored that we can even sit here and have this conversation and share it out with with other people. Um, You know, I was curious in in some of this conversation, does a Weber where you currently are have an official diversity and inclusion program or somebody that's overseeing that on the HR side for you guys? I'm just curious if there's like an official you know, presence around diversity and inclusion there? You know, um, we do not have an official document for it. That's a question that I asked when I was hired at AWeber um, just this past year. Um, However, what I've experienced working for AWeber is absolutely nothing that I was talking about earlier in this um, podcast. We have uh, diversity and inclusion initiatives. We talk about are, you know, everybody introduces themselves to the new people who have just been hired with pronouns. Uh, There is a specific email that comes out from HR talking about diversity and inclusion and the ways in which to deal with it and the resources that you have if you feel uncomfortable in certain situations. But further to the point, I have just noticed that a Weber clearly is making an effort to hire diversely. Um, It is not just a team, even, you know, the development team is not just white men. And I'm so impressed and so happy and proud to work for a company like that because it makes it more comfortable for me and for everyone, I hope, you know, it's, it's been really, really great. That's really good to hear. That's really good to hear. Well, let's shift down into the nitty gritty a bit because we do like to give actionable tips and talk about things that marketers are facing every day here on the Marketing Hero podcast. So I would like to know from you, what is the most important aspect of product marketing? Well, I am going to give you three, but I'll give them to you in order. Um, First of all, in my experience, the most important aspect of product marketing is copywriting. I think that when it comes down to it, when you're looking at your KPIs, you're looking at the results that you're trying to drive, uh, you can know everything about your product, you can know everything about your customers, you can know 
everything about your competitors. But if you can't properly describe that in a way that's incredibly concise to people these days, you're just not going to make the sale. You're not going to get people using the product. You're not going to be able to, you know, adequately get people engaged in the dashboard. And not that you have to write all that copy. You probably have, you know, UX people who are working on that too, and even designers. But having the voice of your customers and knowing how to turn that into good copywriting, first of all, it's unbelievably difficult, but it's also so, so important. And so for me, constantly reading up on good copywriting, constantly rewriting my own writing has been one of the most essential skills. Um, and unfortunately, there's no quick trick. You just have to, you have to keep at it. You have to keep testing the writing that you're having and you have to keep talking. Um, the other two things that I think are really important and in this order is research. And the main research is, you know, talking to your customers themselves. I, it's so crazy how quickly people's priorities can change, how quickly um, a new feature can become a favorite feature. And you want to stay on top of making sure that you know what your customers wants and needs are, what their pain points are, the language that they're using to describe things, and you just got to go talk to them. You need to go out and do that research. So I think that's super important. And then this is a little bit of a sleeper, and I feel like I haven't heard a lot of product marketers say this, but one thing that I think is very, very important is knowing your product in and out. And that means not just the list of features that your developers have built, but actually use cases that you can bring up in certain you know, situations. Like for example, at AWeber, we have a landing page builder, right? Just a landing page builder. I mean, not just, it's, it's a wonderful product, um, but within this landing page builder, we have templates. And one of these templates works like a link tree and it's on our free service. And so our customers, if they don't already have a link list set up, if they're just getting started with Instagram or even TikTok and they need that one page with all those links, they can actually use this, what we would just consider internally as a template, as its own complete feature and product. And it's so useful to them, even though it's not something that you know, took a lot of engineering work to build. And so kind of diving deep into your actual product and the sort of special features of it, you might call them, or just ways in which it can be used is something that's very, very important to be a good product marketer. And it seems like those last two can combine in certain ways. Just what I'm hearing you say is you may not know how people are using certain features and you may discover the cool ways that people are using your product and and discover other ways that you can talk about it. Yeah, there are a lot of small and medium-sized businesses that use AWeber and I'm not a small business owner. And, you know, we, we actually use our own product a lot, but not for necessarily all of the things that our customers do. And so doing that research is, it just drives success. It just does, you know, and you can see that as long as you're testing and tracking everything. But if you're looking for that one thing to drive the needle, whether it's copywriting or, you know, whether it's knowing your product or creating good content, um, all of that comes from that research. And talk to me a little bit about that research and knowing your product and understanding the features that it offers versus the market positioning for the product as a whole or for the brand as a whole. Do you feel like 
the market position or the messaging of the company as a whole is under the purview of product marketing. How have you interacted with that at Aweber? Do you guys have a really solidified brand position document per se? Um, how have you addressed sort of that that larger umbrella of this is what we stand for as a company versus here's what our product does? Yeah, um, I think that product marketing should be pretty intricately involved in that uh, just from, you know, advocating for the customer perspective. Uh, your research really can come at the sort of minutia of copywriting and how to talk about a product and how to sell a product. Um, but when you take a step back and look at bigger trends, both with your competitors and with your customers, that's where that positioning sort of comes into play. And I actually think that at least for a company like Aweber that's fairly well established, positioning in the bigger market is something that you almost just have to pin down rather than create. Because there is a need and a want that's coming from the market itself. And it's, you know, there are definitely newer companies that are disrupting and that are creating these sort of newer needs and wants and things that they're solving for people that you can pay attention to and look at in terms of your competitors. And then you can take a look at your own product and the ways that it's helped the customers that you're talking to and find that fit. And so product marketing for me isn't coming up with something new, it's identifying where that fit is. Uh, a Weber is certainly, since I've started, you know, we've been doing a little bit of an adjustment in terms of the way that we are positioning ourselves. We had previously been somewhat a, of known as an old fashioned company. I mean, we started in 1998 and we have been aggressively in the past two years, adding so many useful features for our customers, really changing what our product actually is. And so we're in the um, position right now where we are trying to let everyone know about what our product actually can solve for them versus potentially this older concept of what somebody thought Aweber was. And so it's actually a really good question for me because it's something that we are in the process of making adjustments to, um, but it, it couldn't be more fun because it's really just finding that want and need. It's finding where the market's going. It's finding the trends based on market research, but also research through your customers themselves and figuring out where that fit is. Very poignant statements. I want to pull out like 10 quotes from what you just said, because I love that. Now I'm going to hit you with kind of a hard question here, Kelsey. Okay. I want to know, is email marketing still effective? Yes, it is. And, you know, obviously we hear all the time, you know, is email uh, old fashioned? Are, are people still using email? And the fact of the matter is that people are using email more than ever. And the reason for that partly is that people are starting to understand the concept of growing an audience. A lot of people, especially influencers, but also brands and other sort of companies have been spending a lot of time on social media, growing their audiences, growing their brand, 
growing their community, really growing like a group of people who care about what they're talking about. And then they're starting to realize that Instagram doesn't really care about their audience or their community. They don't care if they're lost. They don't care if they don't get to talk to every single person every single time. And so email is a really good way to manage that community once you've already built it or separate from building it. So we definitely think it's not like replacing Instagram or TikTok or anything like that, but it's such a wonderful way once you've started to build out this trust, started to build out this community, or once you already have, to bring those people into a place where you own that audience. If you use AWeber to send emails out, AWeber doesn't own that audience. We can't steal it from you. We can't, we're not going to only send it to certain email addresses. That is an audience that you can take with you wherever you want to go and you can communicate with them all the time. Um, another point to that is, you know, there are certain people using Facebook. There are certain people using Instagram. There are certain people on Twitter, TikTok, you know, LinkedIn, even people are talking to each other, but everybody almost, I won't say everybody, almost everybody checks their email every single day. I mean, it's just like the ultimate, you know, gated social media platform. All right, that's valid, I'll take that. I think that makes sense, it makes a lot of sense. So within AWeber or in other positions that you've had in product marketing, I wanna know sort of your definition and your best ways that you've found to work cross-departmentally with product, with marketing, with sales, because I really see product marketers as that ultimate connector point, right? Where where your job really is to have all of those different departments' best interests in mind, as well as the customer and kind of, it's like product marketers become this really important hub in SaaS marketing. Do you see yourself that way? Do you have any tricks for us on how to get all of those different people on the same page? Do you have any processes you could share with us? Like we want to get the nitty gritty on how does it feel to be that hub for everybody? And and how do you handle that? What, what can you share with us about doing a good job as a product marketer to connect all those different moving pieces? It's not a small job. And so for anyone who's thinking about going into product marketing, um, don't do it lightly. It is hard work to be a product marketer and to sort of hold all of that in your head. In my experience, the absolute first thing that you need to do is start building relationships. If you don't know how many kids the product manager that you work with regularly has and, you know, whether they're playing soccer or, you know, what what this person's favorite type of beer is or something like that, you're, they're, they're never gonna trust you enough to tell you the things that you actually need to know. And so the absolute first thing that I think matters is to identify the people who can really advocate for their own departments, right? A product manager has engineers. I don't need to talk to the engineers because the product manager has already built those relationships. But if I build the relationship with the product manager, they can let me know what's going on that's gonna matter for marketing, for you know, advocating to create new products, for copywriting, for anything like that. And so building that relationship is really great. I haven't worked with a lot of sales teams, uh, just in my position at Smith AI and my position at AWeber, we didn't have sales departments until kind of later on at Smith AI we did. Um, same thing, find the person in charge and build the relationships there. But 
there's so much more that you can give to a sales team. You're sort of gathering information from a product team and you're giving information to a sales team. And if you can think about that team from their perspective, like a salesperson has numbers that they're trying to hit and that's how they make money, right? So when you're talking to somebody, make sure that you can figure out what it is that you can give to them to make more sales. Um, and all of that just comes to that relationship building. And I would say the first thing that you should really do is care. You should care about those people. You should care about their success and you should be a team player uh, when it comes to that. Product marketing in general, the next thing you need to do is just sort of figure out the landscape of what's going on in your company. You know, try to understand if there's something that isn't being built um, especially in a SaaS company, there's a reason that that's not being built. It's not because people are lazy. It's not because, you know, there's someone at the top trying to like bring us all down. There's an absolute reason. So always remember that and then dive into what that reason is and see if something's changed and see if you can advocate more for that product and understand that there are priorities and understand what they are very much to start. And so that's where I started at AWeber was I dove in the deep end. I tried to build the relationships and I tried to very, very truly understand what we're building, why we're building it, who, who we're competing with, how hard it is to build certain things. Some things it's really easy for your engineers to get out the door. And so when you ask for that and you're like, oh, they did that in like a month, you know, or even a couple of weeks, they were able to just offer that to me. And then like you ask for the next thing and it takes them a little while or they just say no. And you're like, it, it seemed like the same size to me, but I don't know. I'm not an engineer and there's probably an entire system that either needs to be built or rebuilt in order to do that. And so, you know, having that empathy day to day when you ask for and advocate for those products. And, you know, the last thing I'd say and something that I've definitely struggled with um, is to figure out where your resources are best spent so that you don't burn out. And I know we, it is a, you know, we're all at our computers We're most of us are working remotely. I certainly have been since I started at Smith AI and that was three years ago. Um, you can work all the time. And if you know everybody and you know what they need and you know what they want, it's time to take a look into all of those things. Take a look at the way that your company is actually making money. Because when it comes down to it, that's what actually matters, right? And what can you do first, second, in the short term and the long term to move that needle? And so that was a lot. I feel like I just talked for like five minutes. It's a big job. And it's a big job of gathering information, prioritizing what you can do and then advocating for the people who need it specifically your customers but also sometimes your sales team kelsey some of the things that you were talking about in terms of what makes a great product manager felt like qualities that we normally associate with a feminine perspective like caring empathy relationship building, right? And so bringing it full circle back to our first part of our conversation and our intro on sort of women in tech, do you feel like women are particularly well-suited for a role like product marketing or product management even because of those things being so important? 
I don't think so. I think that that's pushing the narrative of women. I think that men have complete capacity to be empathetic and to learn how, and, and lots of men are. I mean, the man who I, I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but he taught the product marketing course that I took that took me a huge step forward in terms of my ability to do this job. Uh, he said the exact same thing about empathy and about building relationships and building friendships. And so to me, I think that uh, maybe those were traditionally thought of as feminine characteristics, but they don't have to be. And if you, whether you're a woman or a man or non-binary or, you know, anywhere in between, if you don't act empathetic, if you aren't necessarily as good at building those relationships, that doesn't mean that you can't do product marketing. It just might look a little bit different for you. For me, the most important thing is the end goal. And that's what you always have to keep paying attention to. What's the end goal? How can we move this company forward? How, how can I advocate for the best products? How can I best tell people about what they are? And when you look at that, there are a lot of different ways to get there. You know, I personally tend to take the empathy side because I also just like knowing my you know, my coworkers and I've always liked doing that and getting to know them, but you can, you don't have to be a super relationship builder in order to do testing, in order to look into documentation internally, as long as you have it. We've got tons of internal documentation. I probably ask questions of people that I could find just by reading through our documentation. Um, you can, you can certainly do this job no matter what your disposition is. And I think that you can be a kind, empathetic person, no matter what gender you are. Well, Kelsey Johnson, that is such an excellent point to end on. Thank you very much for your time and for joining us on the Marketing Hero Podcast. We look forward to seeing what you do next. Thank you so much for having me. This was so much fun. You've been listening to the Marketing Hero Podcast by ClearPivot. Be sure to join us next time. For more information, visit www.clearpivot.com.